UCLA versus Liberty 2018. Have I induced the shivers? Hopefully you haven't just scarfed down a large meal at Ruth Chris Steakhouse and hearing this with a full stomach because if you are, you're probably getting queasy and I pray that there is a trash can right by you. But no, seriously, this was a loss for UCLA that indicated that the program had reached a, a rock bottom. I think we can all more or less attest to that. But you know what they say, when you reach rock bottom, there's only one way to go. It's up. And since then, UCLA has been on an upswing. And with that, let's welcome you into the program. This is a Friday slash weekend edition of Locked On Bruins. You know who I am. I'm Brian Fenley. I'm also a national anchor for Fox Sports Radio. And we've had some great recommendations as this Bruin basketball nostalgia tour continues where I relive games of the past. They can be wins. They can be be losses. But it's all about storytelling. And so where I am asking for you, your help here, is to give me some games that are forever embedded in your memory. Give me something that was a win over the years that has always stuck with you and that you'd like me to spend a whole episode talking about. Because that is what... I'd love to do here with all of this empty time between basketball season and, and with all the dead time until football. That gets going. So you can reach out to me for those suggestions or recommendations. I would be so grateful. My email is lockedonbruins at gmail.com, lockedonbruins at gmail.com. But probably the best way to drop me a line and get in contact with me is through Twitter. And if you don't have a Twitter, uh, get with it, all right? You, you certainly are missing out. My Twitter handle is Brian, Brian with a Y, F-E-N-L-E-Y. So friend of the show, David Hamilton, a great guy, great Bruin fanatic. He loves digesting everything UCLA athletics and just gave me a wonderful idea for, for this episode of Locked On Bruins. And again, I want to thank all of you as supporters of the show and listeners for your input. And, and David reached out and he said, Brian, let's talk about the Liberty game. Yeah, it wasn't a favorable ending. The, the game score, we lost by 15 points, but you could argue that it led, yes, to a new era, because it did, of McCronin. And now look at where we are with a team that is playing a lot better and a team that is gelling a whole lot more. So I said, Dave, man, right on. Let's do that. So this is what we're going to do. We are going to escort you back to that game and try to stick with me here because there is a happy outcome here because, yes, the game wasn't anything that we'd like to remember, but... It's what happened in the aftermath that led us to Mick Cronin. And that was the program rejuvenator that Mick Cronin was. None of this would have happened based upon the way we got beat at the time to Liberty. And so that was the end of an era for Alford. He, after the loss, was basically let go a couple hours later. He was relieved of his duties. And so... I I, I want to, for just a second, step away. And we have all grown up to be told, look, don't compare yourself to others. All you're doing is setting yourself up to feel bad. 
But I openly invite you, I have sent out a cordial invitation to you to compare the state of the program December 2018 and March of 2020. You notice a difference? Yeah, I think so. And so, yeah, the pain of this loss from Liberty still haunts us to this day. And maybe you're having a hard time even listening to this episode because of that sting. But it seems even outside of basketball, sometimes the more painful something is, it occasionally leads to the better of outcomes. The more pain, the better of an outcome. And if we did not have that embarrassing loss to Liberty by double digits, we might not have had the Mick Cronin land in our laps. It might not have worked out that way. But we have gotten a whole lot better ever since then. And I just want you all to realize that. And I know you do. But I just want you to, to pat yourselves on the back and say, you know, we've come a long way. We still have a long way to go. Uh, come a long way. But going back to the lead up to this game, you're wondering why is UCLA scheduling Liberty and Steve Alford had a relationship with their coach and Richie McKay. Both of those guys used to be coaches at New Mexico. I'm assuming they're still friends, but in an indirect way, McKay, you could argue, was the tipping point, his win over UCLA that led to Alford's firing. How many of you can raise your hand and say, oh, I've been fired by my friend before? I don't know. I, I haven't, and I hope I'm never in that situation. But uh, to call a friend and say, hey, why don't you guys come over and play us at UCLA and then have your friend beat you, not just beat you, but demoralize you and lead to you getting fired, that's probably not what you had intended as a friendship for that to happen that way. But it did. And you know what? It's ended up okay for UCLA in the long run. Now, Leading up to this game as well, I would have told you that it wasn't going to be the biggest shock if UCLA lost this game. Now, any other season, if, if, if you told me that maybe at some points this past year, I thought, yeah. But the Bruins coming into that game against the Flames had lost three straight. They had been beaten at home by Belmont, and then they got spanked by Cincinnati by 29 points, and then lost to Ohio State by 14 points. So a three-game losing streak coming in. And all the Liberty players were saying was, after they won this game, they said, hey, we saw that Belmont won against Pauly, and that gave us hope that we could do it too. And they certainly did. Now, I, I would say that there had been a growing pressure with the athletic program to, to figure out where this program was heading as far as a coach in, in that it wasn't just this particular loss that made UCLA decide to move a different way with the coach. But I felt like brewing inside that there might have been some angst about how the talent was used on this particular team and how t the talent had been used in other seasons with with Coach Alford because they had so many great players, but it never seemed like they got everything out of them. Like, if you go back to the Lonzo Ball year, 
I mean, that team should have been a Final Four team. And even the year they lost to Belmont in Liberty, they had three, at least three All-Americans, on, or three McDonald's All-Americans on their team. And they had top 50 recruits at every single position that year. They had Jalen Ans, Chris Wilkes, the seven-footer Moses Brown. And you have all of this talent, but you can't find a way to utilize it and get the most out of it and get the most potential from those guys. And that was a criticism that had been hanging over Coach Alford his whole tenure at UCLA. And coming up on the next segment here, how the players on that team, as good as they were, as highly hyped of talent as they had been in high school, why they could not find the will and the wits to take down a Liberty squad that from the second half and beyond just imposed its will. Let's get into the game itself, and it was UCLA and Liberty, of course. You had a diminutive number of fans showing up at Poly Pavilion, and they feasted their eyes on a turnover clinic. 24 giveaways by UCLA. 12 of those were steals from the Flames. And how about this stat? 17 more rebounds for the Bruins, but they were outscored in the paint by six points. I mean, that's just unheard of. That is absolutely crazy. And the turnovers, though, were the biggest problem. You had Liberty Flames basically neck and neck with the Bruins all the first half. And then the last two minutes of the first half, UCLA loses loses its focus. They get three turnovers they have in the last minute and a half. And the Flames march out to a near double-digit lead at intermission. And the reoccurring theme here all game, as basically the Bruins were teasing us, they were giving us a false sense of hope because they would score a basket, then they would get a stop on the defensive end, and just as we're starting to get, hey, maybe we can start chipping into this deficit, maybe we can start taking the lead in the second half, then came the turnover. And another turnover. And we did it to ourselves, you could argue, but also you could glad hand the defensive prowess on the Liberty Flames side. And so midway through the second half, UCLA technically was not out of this ballgame because then they made a couple threes. They missed 16 threes, but they made a couple in the second half. Chris Wilkes dropped in a few, so did Jalen Hands, and eventually it was 56-50 Liberty midway slash late stages of the second half. And then UCLA got it to within six, as I said, and then that's when they picked the time to turn the ball over four times over the next four minutes. And because of all the turnovers that negated their shot attempts. They only had three field goal attempts during that four-minute or so span, and they missed all of them. So that's one way to set yourself up for a loss and a whole lot of missed free throws, and that was another story because it, it, it certainly did not help when you had Moses Brown or Chris Wilkes or whoever at the line 
and you just can't knock down those freebies. It's demoralizing for your team if you can't will them back from the line. Coming up next in our final segment, yes, this was the final game for Steve Alford at UCLA. It was the tipping point, that loss, to getting him relieved of his duties. But was it the game itself that led to him being dismissed? Or was it what he said afterwards? That conversation is coming up next. Steve Alford made his way to the post-game press conference table. He plopped down and showcased a tinge of remorse as he had to address questions aimed at him about his team's shortcomings in this game against Liberty. And he spoke with a monotone delivery and he stated the obvious. He said he was upset, said that their team was whipped in every category except rebounding, but every category besides that. He said there were poor fundamentals from his team, from the the ball handling to the passing to the catching to the shooting to the poor foul shooting, free throw line shooting, obviously. 32 points scored off of UCLA turnovers. And, And all of this was said. And then he talked about how disappointed he was and that in his 28 years as a head coach or as a coach in college basketball, this is the game that he's been most disappointed about and that he can't remember a game where it was this bad. And he talked about poor execution and, like I said, all of the symptoms that showed up in this game that indicate to you that this team has a lot of dysfunction. And so here came that necessary follow-up question. It was, well, why is there poor execution? Why is there sloppy passing? Why do you have a team that turns it over 24 times? And he started to say, well, we're doing it the right way in practice, but it's just not translating over. And then he said further, I don't know. Beyond that, I don't know. Now, if you're at work and your boss asks you why you didn't do your job, and you say, I don't know, what kind of reaction do you think you're going to get from your boss? Probably not a good one. And you're probably going to give off the vibe that you don't really know what you're doing or that you don't have a grasp of what you're doing. And so we often will see a lot of people think about, well, what led to UCLA finally realizing that they had to make a move here? Was it that final game getting demoralized against Liberty, losing to 15 points? And sure, that had to play a big part. But I'm in the camp to say that it was how he handled himself in this postgame press conference that sealed his fate. And he did not have the answers of taking a a level of self-accountability. Now, what you'll notice is that he talks about how disappointed he is and that all the things his team did wrong. But I think what would have been more of a a better-received gesture would have been if he said, you know what? I, I, I've made some failures here. 
in, in an admission of failure, uh, so self-culpability or responsibility on the coach's part, and that wasn't seen. And then when he kept being asked about why this team failed here and failed there, and he kept saying, I don't know, that also showed you, well, is the team listening to him? Is the team at all buying in? And if not, then we need to do something right away. Because this was the game that said, all right, well, we probably want to make a move here before the season ends. Because usually that's not always the most advantageous thing to do is to get rid of a coach midseason, to wait until the end of the season. But it was the game, but I would say how we handle that post-game press conference where there wasn't maybe enough of an acceptance of, you know what, I take the blame. Or, like, it's on me. But there was a, a tinge, a tinge of self-righteousness there that I think was not the right call. And I'm sure if Alford realized the impact he had and how he said things in that post-game interview, maybe he would have tweaked things. But I would have to say it was more the post-game press conference, how he handled that humiliating loss that we can all call it was, more so that that was the end all for him than the game itself. And look, I, I, there's a lot of good that Alford did. Like I, He got us to some sweet 16s. But we are in a much better state now with Mick Cronin. And so as hard and as challenging of a time that was with Alford in that last season he was there and the level of despair and turbulence that as fans we were feeling, just think about how far again we've come since then. And so while this game that I I'm cataloging, I'm profile, I'm storytelling about had a very you know negative ending. Think about it as more of a grander picture and it actually had a, a wonderful ending because it led us to eventually getting Mick Cronin, who has revived the morale of the Bruin basketball fan base. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend. I am looking forward to hearing more of your suggestions of classic Bruin games that you would like me to address on this podcast. Again, email me, LockedOnBruins at gmail.com or check in with me on Twitter, at Brian Fenley, Brian with a Y, F-E-N-L-E-Y.